Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I am Danielle Moody. And I'm Wajahat Ali. And Waj, we have special guests that I want you to do the honor of introducing to Democracy-ish for the first time. It's like we're on a double date, guys, and I'm so excited about it. This Waj, is like the POC all-star team, uh, and we're starting on time. We have the legendary, we have the legendary OGs joining us, Maria Hinojosa and Julio Ricardo Varela, the co-hosts of the awesome In the Thick podcast. Thank you both for joining us. An exciting day for us. <clears throat> so, oh, they'll cut that out. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to have you on. It's great to be here with you, fam. We're so excited <laughs> to be invited. You know, About even time. though even though I gave Julio a six out of ten on on uh, on this room raider, <laughs> uh, I want to say publicly that this is his twenty fifth wedding anniversary. So well done, sir! Twenty five years. Clap, 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 clap. Confetti. Thank you. I and love I'm, it. You know I what? It. I'm. I'm. You, I appreciate it, but I'm your room raider. Like I. Why did you do go there? Already, <laughs> what is this? Because Julio is like you cannot compete with Herman Perez's art over here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, Look at I'm her always going to try. And her plants. You know, the only yeah, reason why I'm, I do that is because whenever, whenever his room is juxtaposed to Maria's, which is like an amazing ten out of ten right now, I just feel compelled to make a comment. It's like, I'm like I, Maria's I is a, a ten out of house. ten. You know, Maria, Maria's in an art gallery, and I'm like a frat boy <laughs> living at the frat. You know what? People don't realize... need to hold up a newspaper as like a hostage because it's <laughs> right, unclear. right, right. But you know what? People don't realize that we love each other, but we're deeply competitive. That's like one of the cores uh, of journalists. Know, but, <laughs> but do you guys have this? You oh, know, that's a seven. Oh, that's so, oh my Burton God, Ernie. no, that's Burton a 10. Ernie. That's a 10 yes, right so. there. They look uh, at know me what? every day. So I, I'm I'm offended go. that you said frat bro. I would I think you have earned frat uncle. You have the <laughs> oh mileage. God. Uh, oh my God. But, so we're just got, starting out with full on insults. You guys. Uh, you, <laughs> like, it's like a Don Rickles it? show. It's a roast. <laughs> it's like we're, we're all our immigrant parents. We have to keep each other humble. You know, like it's it's a pretty good podcast. It's pretty good. Um, in the thick, what's a podcast? <laughs> what's a huh huh? Um, in the thick started years ago. It's been I think what now six years. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I remember I you know when I was one of the first guests, uh, Julio brought me on, and it was a podcast created to respond to the moment where so many of our colleagues and peers who. Uh, of the white persuasion, we're not taking the tr uh, the threat of Trump or Trumpism seriously. And so tell us, if you can, why you felt compelled to create this podcast for a POC audience and, and the type of frustration that you all had with what I coin white journalism. Well, Julio knows it, the story really well because he was observing it as it happened. I was in the room so where it, it happened. Yeah, it was 2015. Yeah. And uh, my dad was very sick mm. um, and Donald Trump was running for office and something extraordinary happened, which is I got invited to be on Meet the Press. And I had been wanting that. It was mostly for my father because I was like his favorite yeah. 
his favorite political talk show. And, um, and so I got on and I was on the show with Chuck Todd and I was pretty clear that, um, that Donald Trump could win. Mm. And I, I think they just were like, Oh God, she's really like, she's, she's like not getting with the program that Donald Trump is like this buffoon and he's not really going to win. And I was like, look, I travel the country. I hear people talking. He could make it in New York. We know he's a con man, but uh, the rest of the country. And so I stopped being invited to meet the press dropped like a hot potato, still trying to understand what happened. And I freaked out actually, again, Julio witnessed this. I basically, all mm-hmm. of the sadness of the the mourning of my father's death yeah. and my best friend, all of this, and then just being dumped like a, a hot potato, dropped like a hot potato. Um, and I got really angry. And I actually acted out a little bit on Twitter. Julio had to call me and be just like, yo, you need to, you don't want to say that. And I was like, okay. I'm, I'm, okay. A, I'm a Twitter like coach. Yeah, you haven't had to in a while, which is Not a in a while, but, er, but six years ago, like I was like, yeah, Who he was, was like, like the Jiminy Cricket. He goes, hey, 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 Maria. Let's, yeah, let's just take like, the tweet back. And so we sat in a room um, and, and yeah. they, you know, the team heard me out. And he was like, the thing is, is that we we have to talk politics. And at that point, Latino USA, our crown jewel, we weren't able to talk politics all the time. And so then the, it was just like, well, let's create our own show. And I was like, wait, what? And it's like, well, you have a media company. Let's create our own show. And I was like, who's the political nerd that I talk to about politics all the time? Julio. And mm. then it was like, let's just do this. And and I honestly, I, I, I had no idea that it would end up lasting this long and that it would end up being a model for other podcasts and other journalists to think yeah. about ways that we can talk politics that are, but- are different. But what people don't know, the the deep, deep cut of in the thick. If you go and we, if you go way back, Maria was the solo host for for several episodes, and I was like the third See, I guest. Forgot that. Oh, you were the guest. Yeah, I was like the political director of Futuro Media at the time. We had created that. You know, you understand with Futuro Media, it's like let's just create a title. Like, how many titles do you need? You have five titles because it's an immigrant. You know, run by a Mexican immigrant. We have like five jobs. Like, a yeah, Mexican everyone does like seven woman. jobs. So I was the political director of Futuro Media because we were we were actually trying to do some political coverage with Latino right. USA on the print side. So I, I was covering the debates. I was, you know, instead of like doing everything on Latino USA on audio, I was like, let me just follow political stories. I mean, we're a media company. So I was like the third guest. So it would be like it would be people like, you know, it'd be I don't know, it would be like, uh, you know, Wajahat, uh, some, a, a reporter, for, you know, a, a reporter of color from like Politico, and then our political director, Julio Ricardo Varela. And then eventually it turned into us being co-hosts, which for me is, I mean, come on, come on. Like I get to co-host Maria. with Maria. I mean, I'm like, yeah. I felt like, you know, Maria doesn't like the right fact now. that I- Great Maria, she's barefoot yeah. right now. Don't get so angry. She doesn't like the fact that I do sports analogies with her sometimes, but this is, a, you know, I, you know, and you are a Warriors fan, um, mm. Waz Shahad. You know, Maria's Steph Curry, and I was, you know, all of a sudden, you know, I'm Draymond Green showing up, and I'm like, oh, I get wait, to wait. play. Steph Curry, he's he's short, right? 
He's yes. the greatest <laughs> shooter of all time. He's the greatest shooter of all time. I mean, I, I don't, but I he's, don't he's love small. sports analogies, but I no, he's not small. He's oh, okay. a, he's six a normal two? size basketball Okay, player. I thought he was because I know that there are okay. All right, he's, sorry. He's not I Spud. Right. He's not Spud McKenzie. No, he's 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 the greatest shooter of all time. Anyway. And I would say Julio came in as your splash brother, Clay I know Thompson. Michael Jordan, Dennis but, Rodman. I, I wanna I wanna bring it back to <laughs> you know to to white journalism and the and the tap yeah. dance essentially that mm. all of us uh continue to have to do um in order to get our messages out because the reality is and you know Maria I always believe in forming your own thing, right? Uh, but by virtue of forming your own, whether it's your own podcast, your own media company, you're always starting, you're starting from scratch. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the CNNs, the MSNBCs, the CBSs and the yeah. NBCs, they are these legacy brands, right? That by by virtue of appearing on them, you are legitimized, right? Your voice is legitimized. And so, you know, I, I want to go back to when you said that you were dropped like a hot potato. Was it, it wasn't just about like the ego side of being dropped. What It was really about what the, the, the lack of being able to have space for this important conversation. And you know, the thing about it is that you're right. And I, I'm so glad that you brought up yeah. ego. Because, okay, we have to recognize it. Yes, egos, egos a part of it. And I write about that because it's the downside of the work that we do. But okay, to me, <laughs> I just obsess about the fact that the data is right in front of us. Mm. So one, black women saved democracy, first and foremost. They did save it in the last election, and they have been saving it just because of their belief in it. But right now we understand that the data shows that Latinos and Latinas, many of whom are black, are the second largest voting cohort in the United States. Mm. And so if Latinos and Latinas are not in the national conversation, talking politics all the time, just making it our bread and butter, it's not that it's a problem for Latinos and Latinas. Yes, the, the ego, Julio's ego, my ego, we might just be like, wow, don't you see how fabulous we are? But forget that. It's like, don't you understand that by not including these voices, mm -hmm. democracy is going to suffer. We're mm, all going to yeah. suffer. And that's yeah. my state of panic and, all the and time, that, basically. That lack of and you're right. We have to keep on doing the, you know, the shuffle to try to get on uh, because we feel so strongly about it because we're all democracy junkies. I mean, that's yeah. that's basically we are democracy junkies. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Yeah, and I would just add, um, you know, one of the things of the show, which, you know, we were intentional back in the day of, of the people that we booked. And I don't want to sound like, you know, you know, I'm sure people are going to take this wrong because they'll be like, no, we, we have enough. There's enough white male voices out there. Right. In politics. You think? Yeah. We don't have <laughs> to invite think? any of those. Like, like let's start talking to, you know, voices that are, don't get the opportunity or, or, you know, voices that we saw 
in places like MSNBC, I think of, you know, Jason Johnson, perfect example, who was getting the opportunity, but he was also like, Jason, can you talk to us about every black person in America about <laughs> politics? Um, you are representing everyone in America. And, and, and they weren't even given the time to breathe and, and be seen as people who could talk about topics outside of race and identity as well, because, you know, Maria and I would always say, it's like, Hey Maria, I'm going on the show to, to talk about like, you know, to represent 60, 60 million Latinos that because we're, you know, quote unquote, a monolith. Like, so we get put so there's so much pressure put on us in, in newsrooms and white dominant newsrooms when we're in that space that it's like, well, Julio, can you tell us about like what, what do Latinos think? Yeah. What do the Mexican Americans <laughs> in Los Angeles think about this? And I'm yeah, like, but they dude, never I grew up in, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I grew up in Puerto Rico. Yeah. I, I grew up, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico and then I went to the Bronx and then I went to Boston. I mean, yeah. Do I have friends in Los Angeles and I kind of know the Mexican American experience? Yeah. But I'm not your guy. Right. So the, to what in the thick and what futuro. And one of the things we did within the thick was like, Hey, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll talk about Latino and Latino voters. We'll talk about like black voters, but guess what? Oh, can we talk about China? Can we talk about, right. you know, Ukraine. Israel and Palestine, Ukraine? Yeah, can we talk voting about rights, um, voting rights? Can we, can we talk about, yeah, because no one asks us those questions in the white journalism space because in, in their brain, we don't have the knowledge. Those right? are not our topics. Those are not <laughs> our topics. And so so the, the ability to talk about mm. labor rights, the ability to talk about reproductive justice uh, given mm. the context of where we are right now and and the ability to just say you know i want to talk about puerto rico with mariana Hosa, or i want to talk about el salvador what's happening and no one's telling us like well, you can't do that right and and i think it speaks to the bigger issue of and we have all seen it you know i'll give you the perfect example before we move on you know i was writing about trump and latinos and and just, you know, in, in 2016, about like how these white political reporters would take these political polls, you know, based on 30, you know, 120 Latino voters off their nationwide slice. And I'd be like, hey, just be careful with the analysis here. Like you're you're citing a poll with 135 registered right. voters who are Latino. That's my friggin wedding. You know, like, come on. You know what I'm saying? That's your pre-wedding reception. Yeah, that's like the pre- and the, But the moment Trump won, because mm. I, you know, you know, Waz, you know, Maria, you know, Danielle, we're not, you know, we're not silent on Twitter. The moment Trump won, I got, and I wouldn't say harassed, I got tweet replies from established white political journalists, males who said, this is the guy who called me out. And guess mm. what? I was right. Like Trump, you know, Trump did well with Latinos. And it's like he didn't do well with Latinos, first of all. Like it's, you know, 30% of Latinos have always voted Republican forever. And and this notion of when you even call out white journalism, the the backlash that comes mm. in, if you God forbid you're wrong, it's like, how dare you report on this? And that's what yeah. we fight each and every day. And that's and how to you don't this get day, it. We still fight it. But that's also how th this is, and people don't understand. And I'm I'm so appreciative, uh, Julio, of, of, of you saying so because the reality is people don't understand the hopscotch 
that we all have to do as people of color in media spaces in order to one, have integrity around what it is that we are speaking out, speaking about and calling out, but then recognizing that if you call out a little too much, if you are a little too bold, then you don't get invited back. Then you, you know, there are so many times when people are like, oh, why doesn't so-and-so have their own show? Why doesn't so-and-so have their own show? Because they tell too much of the truth. Because they don't fit into somebody's cookie cutter, because they're not going to let the MSNBCs and the CNNs and and these news outlets off the hook for their poor reporting on our community or the erasure that they do altogether. Right. That we're not going to allow, you know, the, the complicity to go unnoticed. Right. In in how the the they are. um a part of the reason why we're in this space and toiling with our democracy. It's because of folks who didn't take it seriously that Donald Trump could become president. It is because of folks who decided to give him free airtime, who still want to run docu-series on empathizing with the insurrectionists instead of calling for them to be indicted, right? Like, yeah. I mean, this all and of rem- these things are there. <laughs> Go ahead, Maria. Well, because what is it ultimately, when we're talking about corporate media, <clears throat> like 99% of it is the buck stops with white. There you go. Cis men Mm -hmm. uh, who present heterosexual of extraordinary privilege. Some of these guys are our friends. We know them, right? And they are our friends. But if that's the way that, if that's the template that you are using to do political analysis in the United States, you are not, you are not, you are not capable what would make you think that you could have a newsroom like the New York Times, which we mm-hmm. love and respect, but also are deeply critical and hate sometimes? Mm-hmm. The New York Times did a TV show, a documentary series on Showtime called whatever, The Newsroom or- The Fifth Estate the, or something like the Fifth Estate. Uh, the, the Fourth State Estate. Like, yeah, the Fourth <clears throat> Estate, yeah. And, and they take us into their political newsroom in, what was it, 2016, 2015. Yeah, around, around the, yeah. And except for Yamish- and Dean Baquette, there were no other people who were not white in that room. Yeah, it's a notion why, of whiteness. Why would you even, you should have shame that you have a newsroom that looks like that. But from their perspective, there was no shame. And so that's what we're trying to get. Yep. And then we don't actually, we start we start getting tired of trying to get you to see. Do you not understand the we structure dynamics? So we are just doing our own thing and then you can catch up because, and I'll just end with this, my, because we're so competitive, I started out talking about how deeply competitive journalists are the way I am right now in any professional space among journalists. I basically say, if your newsroom does not reflect or represent the country that we live in, you are incapable of practicing excellence in journalism. Absolutely. A hundred percent. There's, we're not even competing. I'm not even competing F. with Curry you. Curry with the three fall not back. Even, not even competing <laughs> with you because you cannot get close to practicing excellence in journalism if you're not representative. So we'll see you. We're leaving you back here. Catch up because we're following yeah. the footsteps of Frederick Douglass. And Maria, you know, you mentioned that's that's the core of it. It's the lack of representation and the centering of whiteness and white pain and white rage and white anxiety and all the euphemisms that we often hear in political journalism of average American. I think Chuck Todd said it and then Nicole Hannah-Jones said, wait, 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 do you mean white? Just say white. And you saw right. Mitch McConnell right. say, there's average American voters and black African-American right, right, voters, right? right, right, right. Well, and so the you rest know, of us- And you know who broke that? You know who got him to do that? 
was Futuro Media. Oh, so, good so call. our correspondent Pablo Manriquez, and this is what we mean about creating lanes and representing and mm. sh- and literally, sh- literally f- forcing you forcing yourself through the door because this is the difference, Danielle. Like we have created our own lane, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, we're going to disrupt. Right. So uh, the two examples, like Pablo Manriquez, who's our uh, correspondent for Latino Rebels, uh, which is part of Futuro Media, he's the one that asked McConnell that question. If he wasn't in the room, white supremacists, no just one else would have asked Julio. that question. Uh, okay. So <laughs> let's start there. Okay. And, and the other thing I'm going to say is when you talk about, you know, we all contribute to quote unquote corporate media. I mean, at least, you know, I'm an MSNBC columnist and I'm like, you're working for corporate media. Like, I'm not. All right. What, it, what I find a little bit refreshing in certain – and but it's still in very, very small pockets, and it does lead to representation, Waj, is that we do get the ability to bring those new lanes into these corporate spaces. Yeah. But they're so small. Like there we need come. like – you know, we need shows. We need bigger spaces than just like I'm going to write a column um, – as much as I'm very thankful because my reader, you know, believe me, I, I text with Waj all the time. It's like, Waj, I got a hundred hate comments today. Yay me. <laughs> um, but, but you know what I'm saying? So there's but, a strategy here as well. It's like create your own lane and then begin to almost like begin to disrupt the, the thing that you've begun to criticize for so many years. And, there's a yeah, parallel so anyway. conversation here as we're talking about the problems that exist in journalism. It's the same problems that we see in political representation and specifically with the Democratic Party, where for Oy. too long, they took us for granted. The token vote, the blacks and browns will show up, but we don't have to center your concerns and we're going to always punt it to go chase Chet and Amy and, and the average American in the Rust Belt who drinks real coffee in a real diner. And we have had to always have our interests hijacked Uh, And put aside and put second, but we're trying to disrupt when you're looking at and you guys mentioned this, the problems that we've we're facing right now. Reproductive rights are under assault. The the right to privacy is under assault. Voting rights are under assault. Gerrymandering income inequality. When it comes to the Democratic Party, do you think their lane has opened up enough for us to be co-equal protagonists of that party? Or are we still treated as second class suspects and tokens? You know, it's very interesting because the conversation around the coverage, media coverage of the issue of abortion, somebody made the, a a woman journalist actually said so much of the media tiptoed around that because they didn't want to, oh, you know, one, it's men and they're just like abortion complicated, uh, but they didn't know how to really deal with it. And so they stayed, they stayed away from it. Right. And I feel this way in terms of the democratic party, like there's, and the media did that because they were afraid of being perceived as too progressive on yep. the issue of abortion right. or too reproductive radical. rights. Actually, right. it's not about abortion. It's reproductive right. rights right? right, and privacy. And I feel like the Democratic Party, again, it's like <clears throat> if in some ways the United States is quite radical and always has been and has been a rebel country because the Black Lives Matter movement started the first, the first moment, a trafficked black person was brought from Africa, government trafficked, right? People call it slavery, right? But it is human trafficking. That's when the Black Lives Matter movement was was born. The resistance of this country is a part and parcel of where we are at. But it's like the Democratic Party wants to be like, yeah, no, but you know, like we don't really want to, we, we don't really want to see that part of it, you know? So we're just going to like pretend like, you know, it's all good. And it's like, 
the more that you are and we've been saying this forever, the more that you are dipping away from your traditional base. Mm. Come on. And I'm just like, do you look at demographics? Yo, do you, do you look at demographic data? The right. more you turn away from that, which is, you call it a minority. We don't call it a minority. We understand that it's a majority, but the more you turn away from that in every way, it's like uh, you're you're sealing your coffin, and we're just you know we're sitting here saying hey, waving the flags, and they're looking at us like y'all need to calm down. Why uh, do you think though that you know because here's the thing for the the question for the both of you too is Republicans worship their base. Republicans yeah. are afraid oh, I, I, of their base. There's a reason got, why you had Kevin McCarthy in the McCarthy tapes. Oh, I'm going to get D- Donald Trump to resign. Ooh, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, you know, Lindsey Graham, he should be ashamed of himself. Oh, no, I'm running from people in the airport. Like <laughs> the, these people are beholden to their base. Why isn't the Democratic Party beholden to their base, which is, to your point earlier, Maria, black women, people of color, BIPOC folks? Why why don't they treat us with the same reverence, right? Why aren't they afraid, or better yet, why aren't they afraid of losing us in the way that Republicans are afraid of their base? Because you have to fund the police. I'll tee it up for you, Julio. I'll give you the two secret words that we... white supremacy yeah it, there i mean it's it's simple you know one of the things that i think about the democratic party and i and i feel like you know celebrating my 25th anniversary i'm very nostalgic for the 90s again mm. right and you're always nostalgic te- for the 90s you don't yeah. need an excuse okay stop okay all right <laughs> okay I, i'm also a knicks fan and they suck now so that's why i'm nostalgic for the 90s but we tend to forget how effed up the 90s really was right and there's this sort of like when people talk about you know the clinton democracy right and and you know the don't you know i don't stop thinking about tomorrow started popping up on my feed and you're like we're being sold this like message of hope right that has been continued and that's been sort of recycled um even in a post 9-11 world where in fact, if you look at democratic policy from the 90s to now, how progressive and reflective of the community needs has it been, right? We got the crime bill, um, you know, yeah. you know, the mandatory wealth, minimum, you know, mandatory minimum welfare reform code word for like building the 1996 the, Bill Clinton started building the wall. Right. And that welfare reform where it's like code word for like black people get free shit, you know, and we need to stop it. And, and, and it keeps going and it got, you know, it gets hardened after Bush and then Obama kind of gives sort of this hope, right? Because you're like, Oh my God, this non-white face. And what did Obama, you know, in the end, like people tend to forget just specifically with Latinos and Latinas, people tend to forget the recession and all this Latinos and Latinas got decimated economically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with housing with mm-hmm. jobs and, Nevada, and, Florida, and there California. was a lot of hope there was a lot of hope and then when things were really sticking and it's like all of a sudden like let's make Mitt romney look really bad and like i'm still here and and i think obama's charisma like exposed like hid a lot of like what was bubbling because he was a really really like you know he's a candidate right he's a presence 
But right. we tend to forget that throughout this entire history, there's a constant. And that constant is Senator Joe Biden, then Vice President Joe Biden, and President Joe Biden. And if we think that Joe Biden all of a sudden, you know, from 1990 to now is going to be like, you know what? I'm going to change. America's changed. I've listened to that, Maria Hosa. I saw her. You're absolutely right. We have to talk about representation. I love, Joe, you know, like Joe Biden is a good man. And, and don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm not here to knock Joe Biden. He reminds me of my Irish American father-in-law. God rest in peace, yeah, but, Billy Gunn. But- but, but, but he's set his ways. Well, you know but what the I'm thing saying? is, is that what I like to say is nothing that we are talking about that we are living through now. Right. None of it. None of it is a surprise to Joe Biden. Yeah. None right. of it. And well, if he wanted to be a consequential president. Exactly. That's like, my point. Like this, the way <clears throat> that Trump was consequential in a horrific way. But if Biden wanted to be a consequential president, like, you know, disruptor. So many opportunities. I mean, he's not. But that's on, the thing, you know, on the issue of of the border patrol after they came out with you know horses and whips on black people, he could have said right there, "We're closing it down." Any number of places where he could have been totally revolutionary, and it's like he's afraid of doing that. But and instead, I, we and all Republican, have deep, deep fear. Yeah, the, what's, the, the, the what's going to happen in the midterms? And Republicans yeah. are very, 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 very good. They stay on message. At, and, you know, they are like, we got a plan. It, it, like, let's play the long game. Uh, yeah, Roe v. I mean, if you don't think like there were plans after Roe v. Wade was passed, like, like the ruling, oh, like, they were plans. like, how do we get it back? And and they just stick to message. And it's and and what they're doing now, which is actually quite, quite effective, because they know that at least in our community, there's this distrust because I do think there has been this sense of distrust. They're playing it now with misinformation, disinformation. Like now, hey, why why are you with the the distrustful Democrats? Like they've never committed their promise. Come to us. Look, look at this world. Look at this we'll WhatsApp group. Give you a turkey. Group. Yeah, yeah give you like, a turkey on Thanksgiving. Anyway, so I think no, they're doing I it think- to Muslims also. They just peel enough enough, you know. But I remember I, I want to ask this with our last segment. We were talking about this consistent. The consistent impotence of Democrats when it yep. comes to really catering to our community's needs. I don't know if you all remember this, but I was on your podcast right after Biden won, and I and we were talking about immigration reform. And there was a moment of hope in both uh, you, and, uh, Maria, and Julio. And you're like, oh, the Democrats now with the majority, they're going to do something. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> They're going to punt this to 2024. And we're like, we're I like, think really? this is revisionist. I want to hear the audio on this one because yeah, I don't yeah, think we were like, you guys, hopeful. You guys were slightly, might be, he, slightly he optimistic. You're right. Yeah, because, I okay. think you're right. right. I, I think you're right. And that's because of the horrors that we had lived through. And for me, it wasn't so much a celebration of Joe Biden as it was a celebration of people voting. Yes. Period. Right. And, right. Voting, and Trump ending, like Trump being and, and voting not for Trump, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yes, this is very, but you know, as I've written and we've discussed, right, it's the Republicans and the Democrats that throw immigrants and immigrant policy reform, refugee policy under the bus. Every time. So I don't know if I, I guess I'm, um, I don't know if I want to say shocked because nothing shocks me anymore, but I think I'm, I'm particularly horrified at the fact that an administration that had run on making certain promises of basic human rights mm. and respecting American law and international law when it regards Dang. people who are refugees, right. that we had a, an idea that the basic 
would be returned. And then we realized like, no, no, just kidding. Actually, we're not even going to go back to the basic. We're going to uphold the bullshit that was coming under Trump. We actually think it's not that bad right now. So give us some time while we figure it out. And it's a pandemic and, you know, they bring stuff from the South. They don't, you know, yeah. they might be good people, you but know, not really, not really. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so to me, um, that's the way I talk. I mean, my dream, the only way that I really see that this happens is if the Black Lives Matter movement intersects deeply, deeply and integrates completely 100% with the pro-immigrant rights movement, because so many of the immigrants that are being mistreated and deported are Black. Um, and that that will then put a, an ultimate pressure on the system, but it's not going to come because because of moderate Democrats like Joe Biden and frankly Kamala Harris. What a disappointment! What a, what a oh. for her to have those words come out of her mouth after Hillary Clinton said those words. Basically, Do come, don't right? don't, Do come come. don't come to children. Mm. Yeah, to children. Shame on them. And 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 while we criticize, you know, because we get the Danielle, you were saying, you know, then we criticize the Democratic Party and we're not invited back to be on the TV shows because we're like, you're just angry. And it's just like, no, we're actually trying to hold the mirror up to the worst mm. part of this country. Yeah. And we're and, trying to save and, it. <laughs> and we're yeah. trying to save it. I know you think we're like trying to disrupt it, but actually we're trying. You thought this way about Frederick Douglass and Harriet Tubman and Martin Luther King. You felt this way. You did not like them. No, not they until they were dead. Stuff. Not, not you didn't, any of those people you did not like until they were dead. And then we want to quote them. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Last question for you guys, though, given where we are right now um, in our political climate with this six to three Supreme Court, with all of these horrific state bills that are rolling out, whether it's don't say gay, whether it's anti-immigration, anti-trans, anti-CRT, and we are just being steamrolled. And this is what it looks like to be in the majority, by the way. Um, Do you see either of you at all, and Maria, you go first, and then Julio, uh, is this a pivot moment? Like, Mm. are, are people awakened to the fact that after 50 years, you've, you're losing a constitutional right that maybe Republicans aren't playing games. Like maybe this is the moment that Democrats wake up. So, so I, I always like to say when we're talking about Roe v. Wade, remember that what we're basically talking about is not abortion per se, but the right to privacy of a woman to make a decision about her own body or a person, any person. Which is an American. If you think about it in the context of American Nism. Somebody that is said a something. Basic right. Somebody said something on social media. They're like, "I'd like to go back to traditional Republican values on issues of abortion," because they would have said, "This is not traditional Republican values of way back when." Would have said, "We don't get involved. This is this is your freedom." That goes freedom. back to the sixties, even actually, not too exacto, far back. Exacto, exacto, exacto. I mean, I lived through that that Republican Party. So here's the thing that is giving me a little bit of hope. Uh, I know. 
it's surprising Daniel and Raj and Julio. I, but I, I really no, am no, on, on the edge of my I, seat. My favorite, my favorite <laughs> Marxist term is dialectical materialism. Dialectical materialism is the fact that a society changes. Historical dialectical materialism is that a society is changing because when this thing happens, then this thing happens. And when that happens, then this happens. And when this happens, then that happens. And it's all connected. And, and the movement, right, if you are a Marxist, right, is the people, is, uh, is, is actually, or Dolores Huerta, people power. Did I just call Dolores Huerta Marxist? I don't know if she is. The Wait, point that, is, is that- Don't clip what, that one. Uh, right, <laughs> what gives me hope, Danielle, you hit it, is like, okay, check, checkmate. Yeah. Now let's make this thing happen. Mm. Let's, and you all have to figure it out because we're doing our thing here. I'm not an activist. I'm not an organizer. But this is the moment where I'm like, okay, bet, bet. Mm-hmm. Let's watch, watch and see Let's watch, observe. and maybe, right. maybe, but then, you know, then I think about the democratic party and I get a little freaked out about that, but we'll stay on the up tip. No, but I, I think, you know, I, I tweeted about this um, last week when the, the, the draft ruling, uh, the, you know, when all the, the shit started happening as much as there's been so much attention to like COVID and the, and the economy and, immigration actually being like a Republicans, you know, Republicans own the immigration debate, Democrats, they'll never figure it out. Like Republicans have won the immigration debate. And unless you fight extremism against extremism, you're never going to win it. And and the, the current democratic leadership doesn't get it. I've written so much about it. And like, so I'm not, that that's not what's going to motivate voters. It's going to motivate Republican voters, like in places where, you know, so many like, you know, Central American refugees are fleeing like montana wherever like this is like it's because a border issue has become like you know when it becomes part of like campaigns in ohio republicans have won the immigration debate so i don't want to get into that what i do want to get into the fact is that the number one issue right now is reproductive rights and you know a women a woman's right to choose you know right to privacy and if democrats do not take advantage of Mm. that and run a message that's like you know, and, and, and stop with the handmaid's tales references. And like, we get, you know what I'm saying? Like, this goes beyond that. This is about, you know, you're talking about a human right, uh, a fundamental, a fundamental political right that is in essence constitutional, right? You know, Republicans are very good at like, well, abortion's not mentioned in the constitution. I don't even know who I'm This is not about abortion. It's It's about about privacy. It's about so so if 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 Democrats can really understand, it's like realize that there is outrage out there, right? And and don't make it just like a white women average American outrage issue. Remember, like you said, Danielle and Maria, it's like who saved the last election? So mm. look at this lens through the, the lens of black women, Latina women, indigenous women, immigrant women. Asian women understanding that, you know, they are the ones that are going to be disproportionately impacted by these, you know, potential bans in almost half the country. You know, you talk about 23 states or whatever it is. Um, it There needs to be a full frontal sort of like push. There needs, there needs to be the people power that Maria says. And then there needs to be like 
strategists who were like, right. we need to take advantage of this moment. The problem I will is the say, strategists in the room don't look like this room and they need to. Exactly. Like we need to take advantage of this moment and not be afraid because if if this one issue does not lead to what Maria says, you know, the changing demographic of America showing up at the polls. And if and if that outrage is not tapped, then what's gonna happen is like Republicans are gonna sit there by, oh, all right, we got we won that one. Like, let's go after like gay rights now and let's like go after like, you know, more it's voting open, rights. It's it, it is it's essentially open it's open season. Right. Um, we cannot thank the both of you enough. <laughs> My God, this uh, was so this fun being in a guest the thick democracy-ish crossover. Um, we're bringing you back. We're bringing you coming to our show, so we're so excited. Where, where can we hear? As we leave, tell people where can they hear in the thick. Okay. Well, obviously, on in the th- you know we are distributed by PRX. Um, we're just you know produced by Futuro Media, so we're on every major podcast platform. But if you really love us, in the thick dot org, in the thick talk show, uh, in the thick show on Twitter, Maria underscore Nojosa on Twitter, Julito seventy seven on Twitter. We're always there. Maria, Maria, I will say Maria's Twitter game is like fire. It's bar. It's, it's, it's like uh, coach. It's, I said, go in there. You, you're ready. You're ready for this, Hinojosa. You're ready. It's Take the rock, Steve it. Curry. Take the rock, <laughs> Steve Curry. She is but, my but Steph listen, Curry. Before we go, before we go, this is the thing though. Okay, here's you go. Here we go. What does that say? Chingona. Ching- so Chingona. Um, just to my fellow Chingona, Daniel, thank you so much for having me on. You know, and this is badass in Mexican Spanish. It's also a big bad word. But um, I, I really want to say thank you also. And I'm so proud yeah. of the both of you for yeah, doing like- what you're doing and for just keeping, I mean, you have huge audiences. People love the both of you. I love the fact that you came together like this and yeah, we're, we're a family. So let's do this again. And thank it's you so just, much. It's the new justice. Made me put on the lipstick. Yeah. It's a new justice league. <laughs> I love it. Justice league unite. Anyway, thank unite. you so much. Thank you for listening to democracy ish. I'm Danielle Moody. I'm with Jihad Ali. And we will be back next week. If there is a country left. <laughs>